What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome back to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? Well, I'm I'm holed up in the closet, my uh, little uh, makeshift studio here. I've got the wand stash going, and we had a dolphin scrimmage that took place this morning. So it's a it's a happy Saturday. It is a happy Saturday. It's a great time to be a dolphin fan. You know why it's such a great time to be a dolphin fan, Brain? Why is that? Because the season hasn't started yet. Yes, yes. Hope springs eternal in August. That's right. I mean, we can we can all get all aboard the the Gesicki hype train right now. Mike Gesicki is uh, proving to be, at least early on in training camp, the the guy that all of us sort of hoped he was going to be. This guy that may be our starting tight end and a guy that may be the next Gronk. The next Gronk, sure. Uh, so it, he's making some nice plays out there. And then I guess people from the Penn State coaching staff are, are tweeting out things like, oh, these great plays that he's making, they're not even in his top 10. So it's exciting. It, it's exciting to to see players like that making big plays in training camp. Mike Kosicki's looking good. By all accounts, Xavier Howard is having a fantastic camp and it's starting to look like he may elevate himself to be an elite quarterback or an elite NFL cornerback this season. So, so it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Now you don't want to you don't want to get too carried away drinking the Kool Aid in training camp, but it's it certainly it's certainly fun, right? The season yeah. hasn't started yet. Our our hopes haven't been dashed. We haven't come crashing down to earth yet. Right now, hope is springing eternal, and we're all very excited to be Miami Dolphin fans. Just a reminder that this time last year, Devontae Parker was the talk of the town. And to a man, everybody was predicting this massive breakout season that he was going to become this number one receiver, thousand yard season, double digit touchdowns, dominating everybody in camp. And uh, look where we are now. So that just shows you you can you can kind of take with a grain of salt anything that happens in training camp, especially this early in camp. Uh, it was also a year ago that Ryan Tannehill went down with a re-injured ACL, and we were in the process of preparing to lose him for the season. So uh, we are we're, we're inching up on the anniversary of the Jay Cutler signing. So you know. It's an exciting time to be a Dolphin fan. But uh, speaking of Devontae Parker, today's sort of the focus of the show today is going to be the Miami Dolphins players that we feel have the most to prove this season. The Brain and I have each chosen one player on the team that we think has the most to prove. We've also asked for your thoughts and we've gotten some some good answers on that. So we'll, we'll share some of those as well on the show today. We were also going to have a fantasy segment where we talked about where we were planning to talk about uh, Dolphins with the highest fantasy draft value and maybe some sleepers that are on the team. Uh, unfortunately, we're not able to make that happen this week. Our guest was unable, we'll say, to uh, to make the show this week, but hopefully we can make that happen uh, next week because if we're going to do that fantasy segment, we want to do it fairly early 
in preseason and training camp before everybody starts diving into their fantasy draft. So stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have that for you on the next episode of the same old Dolphin show. But before we get started, just a reminder that you can download, rate, and review the same old Dolphin show in Apple Podcasts. We know that there are some, there are a lot of you out there that really enjoy the show. It would it would be really helpful to us if you could go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and uh, put a nice review in there. It would help other Dolphin fans find us. You can also uh, follow us on SoundCloud and make sure you're following all of us on Twitter. The brain is at Aaron. The brain. I'm at. Amplified to Rock, and the show's Twitter is at Same Old Dolphin. So make sure you're following us on all of those accounts. Brain, are you ready to dive in, talk about the player that you feel has the most to prove this season on this Miami Dolphins roster? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, then. Without any further ado, tell us who the Miami Dolphin is that has the most to prove in the 2018 season. The player on this team that has the most to prove is the player with the most responsibility on this team. And basically the way that he goes will be the way that this dolphin season goes. And that is Ryan Tannehill. We've had a few seasons where we've come into the year and we've said, this is a make or break year for Tannehill and it seems like that that's been like every year for the past three seasons now last year he he got injured on the first day of camp and so that that's a lost season the year before it was he played well enough in a long enough stretch of time that you felt like even though you weren't certain that he was the franchise guy he played well enough that you felt comfortable giving him one more year. Now, his one more year, he got hurt, so this becomes his de facto one more year. Now, he's also signed a contract extension, so he will be here after this season, most likely. But the Dolphins' long-term plans at the quarterback position will ride on what he's able to do this season. And... The fact that they didn't make the move to get a rookie quarterback in such a loaded draft class this year really puts the microscope on not just Tannehill, but the coaching staff and Adam Gase and the front office uh, with with Tannenbaum because they have basically said, we are going to put our jobs on the line for Ryan Tannehill. If Tannehill does not have a really good season and the Dolphins have a winning season, there is a very strong possibility that they are going to clean house. And if they clean house, Tannehill is not those guys choice the, who, the new, whoever they bring in uh, to coach and whoever ends up being the GM, they're not the guys that chose Ryan Tannehill to be the franchise quarterback. And so you can fully expect at that point, if Tannehill disappoints this season, or if he gets hurt again, that they are going to go another direction, at least with the long-term plan. The only way that that doesn't happen is Ryan Tannehill comes in and just performs 
16 games or at least, you know, stays relatively healthy the majority of the season. And, and it seems odd that we would really kind of belabor any kind of injury with him. I know that, look, he missed the last four games or whatever of of the season a couple years ago. And then last year, he missed the entirety of the season. But up until that point, this was a guy who literally never missed a start and very rarely even came out of the game. He was as durable a quarterback as there was in the league. So it's more of a freak injury uh, that never really got fixed entirely and then got re-aggravated. It's more so that than him being an injury-prone guy. But that being the case, since we haven't seen him play football in about a year and a half, he does need to stay healthy. Otherwise, it is a concern because you need to see him out there on the field performing. If he doesn't perform, then this team will not be good because I have no faith in Brock Osweiler and no faith in in Bryce Petty. And if he doesn't perform, this team has no direction at the quarterback position going forward in the near future without drafting somebody or having a franchise guy fall into their laps in free agency, which does not happen very often. So my guy with the most to prove is Ryan Tannehill. Now, can I play a little devil's advocate here with you? Of course you can. Let me, let me just ask you this. What, what kind of stat line does a great Ryan Tannehill season look like to you? It's a good question. Uh, I don't believe that Ryan Tannehill is ever going to be an elite quarterback, and I don't believe that he needs to be. I think the Dolphins need him to be the best Ryan Tannehill uh, that he can be. Uh, And that means limiting mistakes, converting on third down and red zone opportunities. I think to answer your question, as far as the stat line, assuming he plays 16 games, I think somewhere in the 20 to 25 touchdowns. And I would say less than 12 interceptions. I would say if, if you can get, Ryan Tannehill at like 22 touchdowns and eight interceptions with a completion percentage up around 65%, 66%, then that is the best Ryan Tannehill that you're going to get. And that's a good enough Ryan Tannehill to win if he gets the help around him, meaning he gets a strong running game good protection from the offensive line, and competent defense from the other side of the ball. What do you think about, like, what kind of passing yardage numbers would you be looking at for, for Ryan Tannehill for you to go, okay, that's, that's a really nice season? You know, again, nothing that, that necessarily needs to jump off the page, but, you know, over 3,000 yards uh, would, would be nice. I, I think if you if you're around you know 200 yards passing a game 22 touchdowns eight interceptions so you're at like you know 3200 yards somewhere between 3000 3500 yards uh, uh 22 touchdowns eight interceptions it, and a, and a high completion percentage it, it's an efficient season that's what they need out of Ryan Tannehill he's never going to be Tom Brady he's never going to be 
Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. He's not even going to be Philip Rivers, you know, or or a guy of that ilk. He, he's not this Hall of Fame caliber guy. But you need him to be maybe similar to an Alex Smith, but also able to stretch the field. But if if he has an Alex Smith type of season, then I think you can build around that. Now, can you win a Super Bowl with it? I don't know. You, you could win a Super Bowl with that kind of quarterback, but what's been proven you know, throughout time in this league is that while you can win a Super Bowl with a season like that and a quarterback like that, it takes a very special defense to win a Super Bowl with uh, with a quarterback play like that. Uh, the Dolphins don't have that kind of defense this year, but you know, if they get that quarterback play out of Ryan Tannehill, they have enough youth that perhaps they could have that type of defense in a couple of years. And if they get that kind of play out of Tannehill and they feel confident in that, well, then there's your blueprint towards being a Super Bowl contender over the next couple of years. I think that's interesting. I think it's all, I think what you said is very interesting. I want to read you some stats here. And I want to just get your, I'm just let me read all these stats and then you can respond. And I want to say that I wasn't looking at any stats while I was coming up with those numbers. It was just kind of off the cuff. Okay. And that's, that's totally fine. Totally fine. 2013. Ryan Tannehill had a completion percentage of 60.4. So a little bit, a little bit on the lower side, but it was up from the 58.3% of the year before. He threw for 3,913 yards that year, 24 touchdowns, but he did have 17 interceptions. That was 2013. The following season, Ryan Tannehill had a completion percentage of 66.4%, threw for 4,045 yards, 27 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. That was 2014. The Dolphins finished 8-8 eight and eight that season. The following season, in 2015, the Dolphins finished 6-10. and 10. Tannehill, a little bit lower completion percentage, 61.9%, but he threw for 4,208 yards for, with 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. In 2016, of course, this was the, he really only played 12 full games before he got hurt, but he threw, it was throwing for a completion percentage of 67.1% had thrown for 2,995 yards, so in all likelihood probably would have hit 4,000 in the remaining three and a half games. Threw for 19 touchdowns in those 12 12 and a half games and did throw for 12 interceptions, so he may have had a little bit higher interception total. But it's interesting to me that the kind of season that you want Ryan Tannehill to have is exactly the kind of season that he's had for each of the last four years. Uh, no, because I, I would say that his interception total has been high. Uh, you know, I I said 22 and 8. You know, that's that's where we want. So we the want biggest him... thing is, the biggest thing is he needs to, he needs to cut back on the interceptions. Doesn't, right. he's throwing too because... many picks. And, and what you'll see in those stats when you were reading out, I believe 
his his big year where he had 27 and 12, his completion percentage was very low. It was what, like 61 percent? Uh, the year that he had 27 and 12, that was 66.4 percent completion percentage. So that was year. a great year. Yes. And that was the year that got him the contract, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the following season, he was he was what? He was 61.9%, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So the same number of interceptions, three less touchdowns, slightly less accurate. And last year, he, he uh, or not last year, but the year before, which was his last season, mm-hmm. the one where he played 12 games, uh, he was a much higher completion percentage, lower touchdown, but he had the 11 interceptions. But what you really need to look at when you look at that season is you need to look at the stretch of games that he played where they had the big winning streak, which that was really the stretch where Ryan Tannehill played at his best. And if you go back and you look at it, what was the formula? The formula was lean on the running game and have Ryan Tannehill manage the game. And that's what I'm getting at, is where where the team has been at its best Tannehill has been a game manager. He hasn't been a guy that's dropping back and throwing the ball 30 to 40 times. And when he is going back and and throwing the ball 30 to 40 times, that's when he's making his mistakes. And he is not that elite quarterback that can make up for those big mistakes by then coming out and driving the team down you know, 80 yards multiple times and throwing, you know, three touchdowns consist on a consistent basis. You know, you can live with, uh, you know, Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers have had some seasons where they've thrown close to 20 interceptions, but those guys consistently carry their offense. I don't believe that Ryan Tanhill can com- can consistently carry an offense at least at a high level. So I so, so for me less is more when it comes to Tannehill. I want to see less of Tannehill uh needing to carry this offense and more of Tannehill making the plays that he needs to make when he needs to make them and being more of an efficient quarterback than uh needing to carry them. because if he needs to carry if this team doesn't have a running game and this team doesn't have a defense Tannehill is not going to win this team more than six or seven games if they, if they don't have a running game and a defense. It's just it's not going to happen. And you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks, and you could say that uh, you know uh, even some elite quarterbacks have had some teams where they didn't have a good defense and they didn't have a good running game, so they they didn't win more than like six, seven, eight games. Uh, I just believe that he's not in that class and. They need an efficient Ryan Tanhill, and I, it, not a spectacular. I, you asked, what is kind of the baseline? Like, what do they need out of Ryan Tanhill to prove that that he could be the guy going forward? And I even qualified it by saying, I don't know that that's good enough to win them a Super Bowl, but it's something that you could conceivably build around. I don't believe that Ryan Tannehill will ever be a quarterback that can just carry this team to a Super Bowl. You want to know what I think if 
if you need if you need your quarterback to carry to you to a Super Bowl, then then the numbers that we're looking at are four thousand yards, thirty touchdowns, and you know, ten interceptions. I don't think that Ryan Tanhill is gonna have that kind of if he has that kind of season, then you've got a great quarterback at an amazing bargain at whatever they, they extended him for what, like 17 million a year or something like that. And when you've got guys that are making 30 million a year, if you get that out of Ryan Tannehill, then congratulations. Uh, you've got an, an amazing value at the quarterback position. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> the idea of Ryan Tannehill throwing 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions and you know, 4,000 or, 4,500 yards. It's pretty, pretty exciting. I do want to say that Ryan Tannehill is one of only a handful of quarterbacks that have the active quarterbacks in the NFL that have multiple 4,000 yard seasons. So he's got that going for him. But yeah, I, I, your point is taken. He is not. And you also have to look at the the play calling, the game scripts. Sure. When he, he's done this, because he a lot of that time under Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin notoriously gave up on the running game, wanted to throw the ball. And also a lot of the time when Joe Philbin was here, we played from behind in a lot of games. You're going to rack up yardage when you're playing from behind and you're not running the football. So yardage to me is not the the big stat. I think yards per attempt is a, is a bigger stat. Um, and Listen, I know we that all know Tannehill that- we all know that some of Ryan Tannehill's best performances as a quarterback have come in garbage time. Right. And and he's also had some some games where he's put up just ridiculous numbers and they've been statistical outlier games. For me, the average Ryan Tannehill game is you know right around 200 yards and it's like a touchdown and an interception or maybe two touchdowns and an interception. The other thing you got it. The other piece of the puzzle is not just the interceptions. It's the fumbles because Ryan Tannehill has been a guy that oh, he's Mr. Strip sack. Right. And you would hope that the offensive line will protect him this year. But Ryan Tannehill has been a guy that has fumbled a lot and, and in very key moments of the games. And when, when you just, look at touchdown to interception ratio, you tend to overlook turnovers as a whole. And a fumble is just as bad as an interception in many cases yes. worse yes. because you're losing, you're losing more yards because when, when a quarterback gets sacked and fumbles, uh, you know, that's a, that's a lot worse than throwing an interception 30 yards down the field. And of course, at this early stage of training camp, the offensive line has not, Let's just say they haven't impressed necessarily thus far in training camp. But we're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill, and we're going to go to my player on the Miami Dolphins that has the most to prove this season. And I have to say that in a lot of the tweets that we received, this was the common thread. It was it was a common theme. A lot of people believe this, and I, you know, so it's going to be very easy to make this argument. But for me, the Miami Dolphin player with the most to prove in the 2018 season is Devontae Parker. This is a guy the Dolphins drafted in 2015 with the idea that he would, down the line, become a number one receiver for this team. And he's battled a lot of nagging injuries that have sort of taken a toll on him. But 
he is a guy that has the body type. What, he's 6'3", 215 pounds. This is the kind of guy that you would expect to be a big physical receiver, a guy who could be a gamer, who could climb over uh, climb over defensive backs and make big plays. And really, this is he's been a guy that has just sort of he's disappeared in big games when it's when there, there have been opportunities for him to step up and make big plays. He hasn't really done it, and he just really hasn't produced at all. Uh, Twenty. 16 was his best year as a receiver, uh, had 744 receiving yards and only four touchdowns. And, you know, granted, last season he played the bulk of the year with Jay Cutler. But, I mean, you listen, this is your when it's your time to step up and be the man. You know, if Julio Jones, and granted, this is a, a, a little bit of a jump, but this is the kind of player that, you know, people thought Devontae Parker could be, is a Julio Jones type you know, Julio Jones is going to make big plays and make catches regardless of who is throwing him the football. You know, Matt, yeah, it helps that he's got that connection with Matt Ryan and all of that, but Julio Jones is going to go out there and make big plays and beat defenders. And that's the kind of player that you want Devontae Parker to be. And that hasn't happened yet. And so that's been very disappointing. So this is really, I think, the year that if he's going to produce and he's going to become that player that he's that well, at least the Dolphins organization thought that he could be, this is going to be the year where it happens. And if it doesn't happen, then I think Devontae Parker is really trending towards one of those guys that you just thought was going to be really great and just couldn't ever produce. Or alternatively, because we are talking about the Dolphins here, this is a guy who's just never going to produce anything substantial as a Miami Dolphin, and then he's going to get traded somewhere else and become a force of nature with another football team because, you know, that's sort of how things work in the history of the Dolphins. But it's been pretty disappointing. And then thus far this season, it's been – it has not been – it has not been great – for Devontae Parker. And you had a tweet um, earlier this week, Brain, where you said that reports that Xavier Howard is dominating Devontae Parker in camp thus far can be looked at two ways. The way you perceive it says what kind of fan you are. And I think that's interesting because obviously the optimistic fan is very excited about the way Xavier Howard is playing and you're really excited. Wow, look at the shutdown corner. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. The pessimistic fan says... Devontae Parker is just not doing anything, and it's so disappointing. And then there's kind of the level-headed fan that can look at it and see both. So I think there's actually a third kind of fan in there. And I'm waiting, and this is the year, if Devontae Parker is going to be that guy, let's hope he can do it this year. And if he can't do it this year, then... I don't know. I think it's I think it's time to move on from Devontae Parker, Bryn. Oh, and it will be because uh, he'll definitely be let go if he doesn't produce this year. And honestly, I think at the at the point where they're at, where there has been uh, questions about his work ethic and his consistency, and they've got enough guys and enough depth at the position now, where even though Devontae Parker has really by far the highest upside of anybody on that receiving core, there are enough guys for it to be a competent position, even without Devontae Parker. And 
because of that, they're not going to force him in there if he does not deserve it, if he does not earn it. If he gets outplayed by Albert Wilson and Amendola and Jakeem Grant and even, you know, Rayshon Scott. Isaiah Ford. Morgan. Leontay Isaiah Carew. Ford. Yeah, I mean, there are enough guys there that the the time of coddling Devontae Parker to boost his confidence, at that point, that that's long gone. At this point, if he gets outplayed, he gets outplayed and he just doesn't see the field. Uh, you know, he's in a contract year. He needs to produce the guy that he really reminds me of right now. And, and honestly, I don't know that this is necessarily even a fair comparison because, uh, Devante Parker, I, the guy that I was going to compare him to was Roy Williams, who, uh, wide receiver from Texas first round pick everybody raving about his size, speed, just an athletic freak. Uh, you know, first year in the league, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, second year in the league, a little bit disappointing, a little under 700 yards, but the eight touchdowns and everybody waiting for that big breakout. And the difference here between Roy Williams and Devonte Parker is that in Roy Williams third year, he actually had a breakout season where he had 1300 yards and seven touchdowns. But of course, then his following year, he had just over 800 yards. And then that was by far the best season of the of the remainder of his career and we may never see Devonte Parker even get a 1000 yard season let alone a 1300 yard season but that, that's what he reminds me of he reminds me of a guy that has all of the talent but people question his work ethic his consistency and because of it he just never becomes that receiver that he has shown flashes of being because he just is not a gamer. You wish that Devontae Parker, you wish that you had Devontae Parker's body and skill set with the, with the drive of like a Jarvis Landry. Because if you had that, you'd have a Pro Bowl receiver and you'd have a vintage number one elite guy. I just don't think we're ever going to have it. I don't think it's in him. I hope I'm wrong. We don't necessarily need him to be, you know, top 10 receiver, but we need him to be the number one receiver on this team if uh, if it's going to be a great offense. If he's going to be, you know, this 800-yard guy who who flashes a big play every now and then, what that's going to do is it's just going to be enough to be frustrating and it's going to be enough to get him on the field and take reps away from other guys who are more consistent. And it's going to, what it's going to cause is it's going to cause this team to not have an identity on offense, which has been a big problem because Devonte Parker's skill set is he's the only guy on this receiving core that has a skill set that no other guy on the, on the team has in that he can stretch the field he can high point a ball. He can be the possession guy. He can do it all. He has the skill set to do everything that you need a receiver to do. All of the other guys have a different skill set. Kenny Stills can 
you know, can can stretch the the field. He can kind of go across the middle, but he's not going to be this guy that that can win a bunch of 50-50 balls. Albert Wilson is very similar to that. Amendola and Ford and Grant are more kind of guys that you could put in the slot. There isn't that guy that can do everything, and that's what you want out of Devontae Parker. And if he's on the field, but he's disappointing and not catching the 50-50 balls, giving up on plays and, 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 and having the play result in an interception because he didn't go up and try to make the play or, you know, turn into a defender at the last second, that's going to hurt the team even more than him just being bad and not seeing the field. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what it's a, it's a big year for him. I, I really think, I think more so than probably anybody else on the team is a make it or break it year. Uh, for Devontae Parker because he's going to find himself no longer with the organization if he doesn't have a big big year this year. Um, but we're going to move on to get some of the answers that we had from some of our friends on Twitter. Um, we'll start with um, Dolphins End Zone at Dolphins End Zone. He actually gave us quite a few answers, but um, let's go. So he, obviously he mentioned Tannehill and Parker, but he also mentioned a couple that I think are interesting. He mentions... Kenyon Drake, and he asks if Kenyon Drake can carry the load. And I think we and we sort of talked about this in our last episode that the I don't know that he may be the head of the of the core, but it's going to be a running back by committee situation. I think for the Dolphins this season, at least between at first him and Gore. But if Ballage can be the the player that the Dolphins want him to be, I think it's going to be sort of a three headed attack there in the backfield for the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, and I think Kenyon Drake really proved himself towards the end of last season. So it'll be interesting to see how he can prove himself this year as sort of the lead back for the Dolphins over the course of the full season. Do you have any thoughts on Kenyon Drake having something to prove this year? Do you have any thoughts that you would like to share while you're not on mute? (laughs) Yes. Uh, One day I will get the hang of that mute button. Um, I think he definitely has something to prove uh, because he hasn't done it for a full season, so he needs to prove that he can carry the load for a, for a full season. But I do think he's going to get the lion's share of the work. I, when you say it's a running back by committee, I'm not sure that I, I agree with that. Are there going to be touches for for Frank Gore and for Kalen Ballage if he uh, if he uh, deserves them? Then yeah, yeah, I think that those guys are going to get touches. But I don't think it's going to be one of these things where uh, you know, let's say they run the ball 30 times in a game where he gets 15 carries and uh, Gore gets 10 and Ballage gets five. No, I, I think he's going to have a, a much higher percentage if he performs. I, You know, when you look at Adam Gase's career as an offensive coordinator before he became the head coach of the Dolphins, he is a guy that has liked to have a bell cow running back. Um, when he was in Denver, uh, he he had a couple of years there with whether it was no Sean Moreno or the other, who was it? Mike Anderson? Who was the running back there uh, in, in Denver a couple of years ago? Um, and then his name is escaping me. But also when Anderson? he was... 
CJ Anderson, right? CJ Anderson. And then when he was in Chicago with Matt Forte, Matt Forte was every down back. And then look, he, in his first year here, he had Arian Foster. You thought that Arian Foster was going to be, you know, maybe had some, something left in the tank. He clearly did not. Uh, and then it became a running back by committee, uh, by committee. But then you look at what happened once Jay Ajayi took that job over. He ran Jay Ajayi to the ground. If if Kenyon Drake takes this job and runs with it, I think Kenyon Drake's going to get 20 to 25 touches a game. So I think... Well, let's, for then sh- it'll be a question of whether or not he can carry the load. Whether or not he can carry the load and whether or not uh, he can be... Uh, an elite running back with that volume. Um, but assuming that he assuming that he takes the job and runs with it, I think it's he it's he's not the head of a three headed monster. Uh, he is the bell cow back, and the other two guys are this are just there to spell him. Two other answers from the Dolphins end zone that I want to mention. One is uh, he asks. He says, Cameron Wake, is he still above average? I think the answer is he's certainly still above average. Definitely <laughs> above average. I think he's certainly well I above average. I think he's average. better than above average. The question is, uh, how long will he be above average? Right, and and can he continue to produce at a high level? Um, I, and, and if he can no longer produce at a high level, can he adjust his game to, you know, continue to – be a force on defense just in a different way. I think that's sort of the question on Wake. His other his other mention in is, is again somebody that we've mentioned before on the show is Laramie Tunsil, who he asks is is he solid enough to be a starter for the future? What are your thoughts on Tunsil? Well he better be. <laughs> if he's not, we've got problems at the tackle position and a huge decision to make uh with Juwan James at the end of the year because we have far more question marks about – I mean, you can make the case that both tackles, whether it's Tunsil or Juwan James, those two guys are the Dolphins with the most to prove because we haven't seen either of those guys play at an extremely high level, at least at the tackle position, and we need them to if Ryan Tannehill is going to stay upright and the Dolphins are going to have – uh, a, any kind of decent offense or de- decent kind of offensive line, it kind of kind of starts with the 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 bookends, and that's Tunsil and Juwan James, and and none of them, neither of them, are sure things at the moment. Are you there? I did the I did the brain there. I started talking with the mute on. This is really fantastic. We're just we are great clicking at on our all jobs. clicking on all cylinders here this afternoon. Um, at spoonful of sports says he feels like the obvious answer is DVP. He really hasn't lived up to the pre-draft hype yet, and is running out of chances too. Uh, that's basically exactly how we feel about it. Um, at John F. Nally says no brainer. RT. It's now or never. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think you sort of identify with that, although I, I think that if he continues, if 
I feel like if Ryan Tannehill continues to produce at the same level that he's been producing at, that's perfectly fine. It just tells the organization that they need to build elsewhere to make a team that's going to be strong enough to win a Super Bowl. And if they're looking for somebody to be the franchise quarterback that's going to win them multiple games, I don't know if if I don't know if uh, wins above replacement is a, is a stat that's used in football. I know it's definitely a big thing in baseball, but I feel like Ryan Tannehill is maybe like a kind of a 0.5 or maybe a one wins above replacement kind of guy in in the NFL. Um, and if the Dolphins are looking for Tannehill to be a quarterback that's a two or three wins above replacement kind of guy, you know, I, I, I think that might be a stretch. But if, if that's what they're looking for out of him, then yeah, I guess if he's going to do it, this would be the year to do it. And then the last comment that I want to share is from um, at Hector Zazueta H. He says, uh, there are so many doubts on every line. The biggest challenge right now is for the coaching staff. And on a day where the Miami Dolphins had, I think, six or seven pre-snap penalties in their scrimmage, uh, I would go, I would absolutely agree with that. This, If there's one thing that Adam Gase's team has certainly not been, it's disciplined. And penalties have been a problem with this team. And I think that's definitely something that they're going to need to address this season. Um, especially in a time, and we're not going to get into this on this episode, but at a time where there are new rules being rolled out and they're not very specific. There's going to be a lot of wacky penalty calls that maybe shouldn't be penalty calls. And with all of that going on, it becomes even more important to limit the mental errors that result in silly penalties, the offsides, the false starts, um, those, the delay of games. Those kind of, those kind of penalties, the Dolphins are going to have to figure out a way to cut down on this year and a lot of that does fall on the shoulders of the coaching staff they've got to figure out a way to get this team to be disciplined this season absolutely agree and that's that's a good call on the on the coaching staff because this really is uh a a make or break year for for adam gase and the coaching staff a lot of changes in the coaching staff a lot of over the first two years of his tenure has been spent with him throwing players under the bus and calling players out and getting rid of players that were quote unquote, not getting, uh, not doing the work Monday to Friday to be ready for Sunday. And he got rid of those guys. So now he would, it would seem like has his guys now, can he get his guys to buy into what he's selling and actually produce on the field? I think it's a good call that uh, Adam Gase might be the Dolphin with the most to prove this year. And that, I think, is going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. Uh, as a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can follow me at Amplified to Rock. And, of course, you can follow Aaron at Aaron the Brain. The Brain has said he's making a concerted effort to tweet more because football season is back. I think he tweeted once this week, so that was technically more. (laughs) Moving in the right direction. I mean, so, you know, you got to start somewhere, so that's good. (laughs) Um, We're going to be back next week. We'll We'll actually have a game to talk about because the Dolphins will have played their first preseason game of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll have that to talk about. So uh, hopefully we'll see 
some exciting things. We're going to probably get a lot of Brock Osweiler and David Fales in that one. Maybe a little bit of Bryce Petty as well. I think we're going to have, we'll probably see quite a bit of, we'll probably get a little Gasicki action. We'll get a little bit of um, Isaiah Ford. We'll probably see a lot of Sonoris Perry. We'll get some Kalen Ballage in there. It's going to be, you know, there's a lot of guys that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I, like, I like how you stop short of saying it's going to be fun to watch or exciting to watch. Well, it's going to be. Eh. Listen, it's pre, it's still preseason football, right? And it's preseason game number one, which of all of the preseason games is easily the most difficult to watch. But but the other thing that, it, you know, that is exciting, that is exciting, is that it's always it's always kind of fun and kind of exciting to see your Miami Dolphins take the field again, even if it is in a relatively meaningless preseason game. And they'll be wearing the new uniforms, which are significantly better um, than the uniforms that they've been wearing for the last few seasons. They've made some small tweaks to sort of bring back a little bit more orange into the uniform, which I'm excited about. I I like the new uniforms uh, better than the old ones, although the the helmet logo is still uh, a pickle diving through an onion ring. But anyway... That's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin. Yeah, well, now it's time to go eat lunch. So, everybody, thanks for joining us again on the Same Old Dolphins show. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Get at us on Twitter. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Follow us on SoundCloud and comment on our shows over there as well. And uh, we will see you again next week. Go Dolphins!